0: brad
1: and i'm Alyssa.
0: welcome to strange history the podcast where we talk about you guessed it strange history
1: out of 260 popes there were over 30 that were martyred more than 80 that were canonized saints seven maybe eight that were murdered we'll talk about that later (laughs) six have been considered dubious but only one was put on trial this probably isn't a common thing that people know i certainly had no idea um, but there's so much information about the Cadaver Synod um, that we thought was really cool, and of course, we're here to talk more about Catholics, uh, the Cadaver Synod. <laughs> oh, sorry.
0: <laughs> more Catholics.
1: More Catholics.
0: This is the last shit on Catholics episode. Maybe for a while, <laughs> at least at least a week.
1: Yeah, at, at least at least a, a week. So, the Cadaver Synod is the posthumous trial of Pope Formosus. You heard that right. In the year 897, nine months after his death, Pope Formosus was put on trial.
0: I just still can't believe <laughs> We'll We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Episode 17 Courtly Confusion.
1: Giving some background like I always like to do we'll start with Pope Formosus he was born sometime around 1816 most likely in Rome uh, no one's really sure as it was the 800s in 864 he was made a Cardinal Bishop of Porto Santo Rufina in Italy by Pope Nicholas I. he had sent Formosus to promote the conversion of Bulgaria in 869 He had been assigned to missions in France by Pope Adrian II, and he was sent again in 875 by Pope John VIII. But Formosus had actually called out Pope John in 876 for mistrust, possibly over a disagreement regarding the coronation of Charles II. A huge thing about the papacy in this time was that they had the power to assign who was king. Is that the best way to say it? Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, um, if you call back to the previous episodes, we always mention how the Pope was like, oh yeah, go overthrow this person, or yeah, you're the king of insert country name here.
1: After he called out uh, Pope John VIII, Formosus fled Rome and he was actually excommunicated, but in 878, he was pardoned in exchange for a promise to return or to remain in exile. So he got rid of his excommunication, but he still had to stay away. This changed a couple years later in the 880s as Pope Marinus I restored Formos' position oh my God, um, in Porto Santa Rufina back in Italy. So he got to come back a couple years later. Afterwards, he was elected Pope Stephen V or the sixth, depending on who you ask, Successor in October of 891, he attempted to liberate Rome from Guy II and his son Lampert, who were the um, Spolitan Holy Holy Roman co-emperors. That was something you could do. Formosus had asked King Arnulf of the East Franks to invade Italy, and they tried to do that. And as they were preparing to attack, uh, Arnulf was seized with paralysis and was forced to head back to Germany.
0: So just random, spontaneous paralysis?
1: Yeah, just that's what it said. Interesting. When they went to go attack in 896.
0: Sounds like a really easy way to get out doing a battle.
1: Sure, sure. And then uh, Formosus ended up dying shortly after this on April 4th, 896. The next pope was Pope... Um,
0: Do you help?
1: I just Googled how to say it. Boniface. Thank you. You're welcome. Pope Boniface VI. Um, I had to look this up, because everything that I read about uh, Pope Formosus and the one I'll get to afterward, Pope Stephen the VI or the VII, depending on who you ask, it didn't ever say that there was anyone in between the two, but there was. Um, Boniface. Thank you. <laughs> He was a sub-deacon at the time, and then he was elected to the papacy. He was only in power from April 11, 896 until April 26, 896.
0: It's like, what, 14 days?
1: Yeah, 15 days, so two two weeks and a day. He was 90 years old at the time, (laughs) and the theory is he either died from gout, or he was murdered by Stephen VI, the next pope. Which is why I said in the intro, maybe seven, Maybe eight popes were murdered. That's unsure. From there we get into Pope Stephen the VI sixth or seventh. He we've no idea when he was born. We know that he was born in Rome. We don't know when. His father was named John and he was a priest. Um Stephen had been consecrated bishop of Anagai. Sure. Let's go with Anagini. By by Pope Formosus, which was possibly against his will. I don't really know why, but I guess he didn't want to be that. No one really knows how he managed to get elected to the papacy, um, but he was very much sponsored by a powerful Roman family, the Dukes of Spoleto. You know, the ones that Formosus had been fighting against. Mm -hmm. Important. Um... He was the Pope and Bishop of Rome from May 22nd, 896 until his death in August 897, so only a year. But he did quite a large amount of things in that year, or at least one big thing.
0: trial of Formosus was quite an interesting thing. Imagine, if you will, a court trial but the defendant is nine months decomposed, falling apart, and probably stinking. He, being dead, also had no way to actually or even legally defend himself, and as a result he was assigned a man to speak for him. Today we see the Pope as this higher-than-high figure standing for justice and goodwill, but in the early Middle Ages, it was mostly a political power play. It's also very important to remember just how often popes changed during this time frame. From 872 to 965, there were a grand total of 24 popes. That's a whole lot of popes, and we don't have the time to talk about all of them today or probably ever. We need to focus foremost on Formosus. There was already a lot of controversy about how he came to power in the first place, but most of everything falls into one little blip of the job description for Pope. Like Alyssa said, he had the power to make kings. Catholic kings specifically, but this is when Catholicism was at its highest and most powerful. And this power would be unsurpassed in the world, making the Pontifex Maximus the strongest and most powerful organization in the entire world the center of any European power struggle. Under papal Law, there is something referred to as Canon Law. Canon Law is a very fancy way of saying that the Pope cannot be judged by anyone for anything because he was serving as the earthly emissary for an all-powerful and all-knowing deity. Nine months after his death, Formosus' body would be exhumed by the current Pope Stephen the VI sixth or seventh, and put on trial for various different issues. Pope Formosus, Pope Formosus's rotting corpse will be dressed in the finest pontifical clothing available, just like when he was alive, and they then sat him in a large chair in the main room of the Church of Saint John Lateran, the seat of power in the Pope's role as Bishop of Rome. Cowering behind the corpse was a young deacon whose entire job was to defend the Pope in court. Can
1: you imagine
0: if that had been his first day on the job? It'd be hilarious. Just be like, okay, welcome to the Catholic Church, stand behind that dead man and um, defend him. I honestly don't even know if this event was real. It sounds made up.
1: It really does sound
0: made up. It really, really does, but there's too much evidence of it happening Now, Pope Stephen would preside over the jury himself and would read a list of charges raised against the body of Formosus. Perjury, or giving false testimony, was at the forefront of the list. Uh, Coveting the papacy, a cardinal sin in the words of the Bible, and even violating church canons were other issues charged against the body of the former pope. But Stephen was more theatrical than most would imagine. He would yell and scream and strut around the courtroom like a madman, taunting the body and even insulting Formosus as if he were still alive. If you use your imagination, you can only begin to imagine the names this man would call this rotting corpse. There was, out of all of it, one quote that time has remembered more fondly than others. When you were Bishop of Porto, why did you usurp the universal Roman see in such a spirit of ambition? According to Pope Stephen, Formosus had actually been a layman and had served in the capacity of Bishop. This was something strictly against the established laws of the church. It would be like if a first year employee tried to make rules as a manager or if a private in the army tried to give orders to a major. The Man cowering behind Formosis had a very simple job. Declare his innocence. And he did, softly, and with terror whenever he got an opportunity to.
1: Well, I mean, he wouldn't be getting fired. He would have been executed had he tried to like yeah. tell Post you didn't know.
0: Right. But I mean, I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't even do my job. I seriously couldn't. Like, if I had to stand behind the rotting corpse of a man that I probably knew, mm-hmm. maybe, and been like, no, I'm innocent. I, I couldn't. I couldn't do it.
1: She's like, you know what? You're absolutely correct. Um, he's 100% guilty. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go home now. To, I'm going to pray. I'm going to go home.
0: I'm going to. Goodbye. <laughs> no, now, watching this event, in utter horror, the rest of the clergy finally decided that enough was enough and actually voted to convict on all charges. Uh, The deed was done and buried, in theory. Instead of just a trial and some song and dance, however, Stephen took things a step further. After the verdict was announced, he came up with some very creative punishments for the corpse of his predecessor. First, three fingers on the right hand would be severed and removed. This was an important gesture in both its usage and the removal of said fingers. The ones chosen were those used in blessings. With their removal, it was a clear sign that the Pope would never again literally or figuratively be able to actually do his job. All of his acts and ordinances were overridden. His history burned and forgotten, and his reign overall invalidated in the eyes of the papacy. In addition to that, Formos- in addition to that, Formosus was stripped of his papal vestments and buried in the grave of a layman in normal clothing, removing his last bit of connection to the church overall. This-
1: he wasn't buried at first.
0: Everything i read said he
1: was. Oh no. Pope Stephen sent Formosus down the Tiber River. A fisherman got him out, and then he was buried afterwards. Interesting. You didn't—that everything that I read said that he was sent down the Tiber River.
0: Yeah, what I was. Which was like
1: a huge deal because that's what the Romans did to get rid of like their enemies. Yeah, like if they wanted to get rid of you from life, memory, from history, from everything, you were sent down the Tiber River.
0: What I read was from the uh, Encyclopedia Britannica it said that he was buried first and then exhumed and sent down the river.
1: Mm -hmm. That's not what I read.
0: Interesting. Interesting.
1: Yes, Stephen choosing to throw Formosis into the Tiber River holds a lot of significance, like I said. Hmm. (laughs) That's what I read, that he was after he like got his fingers cut off and was found guilty or whatever, they sent him down the Tiber River. Interesting. Um Yeah, what
0: I read like, said he was buried as a layman first and then floated. Maybe. Interesting. Hmm.
1: But yeah, Tiber was read through someone who you wanted to come forever from life, from society, even from memory, according to the Romans. Interesting. Hmm. Mm. (laughs) So he was buried and thrown in a river, just unsure in what order.
0: Exactly. So we might need to revisit this. (laughs) Now, the citizens were so, so angry about what happened, they eventually revolted against Stephan, deposing him, stripping him bare, and uh, strangling him to death before declaring that Formosus was, in fact, innocent of the crimes he had been accused of. Interestingly enough, and I find this extremely funny, um, Pope Stephen tried to get every action of Formosus annulled. But that would that would ironically include his own rise to the rank of bishop. Which would therefore mean, due to the annulment, that he actually did not have the standing needed to become pope after trial was over. Basically, because of his actions, he fucked himself out of even being pope in the first place. I mean... The lasting ramifications of the trial were interesting as they set guidelines that should have been in place a long time before, but as we all know, common sense never wins. It was not until the year 900 that the church banned the trial of corpses. I've not found any evidence online that this happened more than once, but I did find the wording of that law to be pretty interesting, and also they excommunicated seven cardinals involved in the original event. For the next several years, many new popes would either declare their support or opposition for Formosus, but eventually it's gotten to the point now of where the papacy simply declares that the event was isolated, invalid, and illegal. It's a viewpoint that's actually still held by the current Pope Francis.
1: You know what this whole thing really was? What? A revenge plot. You think so? Well, like I said, Pope Stephen, first of all, murdered, potentially maybe, the pope before him in between, the name I can say. Boniface. Thank you. Um, And he had, like I said, the support of a super powerful Roman family. The ones that Formosus tried to get rid of. Right.
0: Might have been revenge. I just
1: think it was a revenge plot that he spent a year of his life doing. Hey. Before he was put to death.
0: You gotta do what you gotta do. (laughs) So uh, today's date is February 18th. Some stuff happened in February 18th. (laughs) Not a lot of stuff. Apparently this is a very uh, boring day in history.
1: No, there was a lot of... I have a bit. Okay. I have have some stuff that I didn't even write down.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: (laughs) Okay. Uh, For a throwback to the previous episode, um, February 18th, 1885, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn was published.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: Um, Pluto was discovered in one thousand, nine hundred and thirty by a twenty-four-year-old named Clyde uh, Tombaugh, who had no formal astronomy training. He was just looking at a telescope and said, "Hey, isn't that a planet?" <laughs> I'm not kidding. Uh, it happened in the, the, Lowell, the Lowell Observatory in Flagstaff, Arizona. Thirteen-inch oh. like telescope. He discovered Pluto.
0: Hey, whatever works, man.
1: Uh, In 1954, the Church of Scientology was established in Los Angeles, California. I'm only mentioning it because it's important to me. Did you guys notice how uh, her voice changed? (laughs) Please don't attack me. In 2006, Shawnee Davis, an American speed skater, became the first black athlete to win an individual Winter Olympics gold medal when he placed first in the men's 1,000 meter long track final, since we're in the Olympics season, throw in an Olympics fact for you. There we go. Um, in 2010, WikiLeaks began posting classified U.S. documents provided by Chelsea Manning, Army Intelligence Analyst.
0: Do you remember?
1: I kind of remember. I remember. Okay, the, what do you remember?
0: Um, I just remember everyone going crazy that someone was leaking all kinds of stuff. That's really it. I remember talking about it when I was uh, taking like vocational training and stuff in like twenty twelve, but I kind of remember when it first started too.
1: I couldn't tell you what I was doing in twenty ten. Probably reading Twilight.
0: The same thing you do. The The same same thing thing I do now
1: at twenty five. My last fact for you, I don't remember the exact year, but because we're from West Virginia, John Denver got an AMA, American Music Award this day interesting yeah
0: for his song that people still uh debate whether or not was written about the state of west virginia
1: i mean if you were to ask my personal opinion i think it's just about appalachia as a whole because i think that it's its own cultural thing and there's so many individual unique things about appalachia regardless if you're from west virginia virginia tennessee kentucky and even up i'll count pennsylvania um, <laughs>
0: You're really isolated, those Pennsylvanians, aren't <laughs> you? It's
1: just not a vibe for me. It's not a state for me.
0: It's not a state? No,
1: it's not a state for me. Like, personally, it's a state, just not for me. State disaster? Yeah. Sorry for the Pennsylvania listeners out there. I'll forgive you. Um, But yeah, I think it's just about Appalachia as a whole. Cool. But I enjoyed that West Virginia took it and was like.
0: This is ours now. Blue.
1: You know they play it in other countries?
0: Oh, yeah, I know. I know. Why? Uh, when I went on my cruise to the Caribbean in 2015, I wore a shirt that just said "mountaineer," <laughs> and at every port we got off at, someone looked at that shirt and started singing very poorly in broken English, "Country Roads."
1: My best friend, one of my best friends, went to Spain in high school, and they were on like a bus going to their next thing. It was, it was like a you know an educational trip or whatever. And on the bus they just started playing Country Roads for all these West Virginia kids. Whatever works. <laughs> Whatever works. So that was my last final fact. Don't remember the exact year, but he got an American Music Award.
0: All right, well,
1: take me home. <laughs> oh my god.
0: Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of Strange History. Join us again next time where we promise not to talk
1: about Catholics. For now. <laughs> uh, be sure to follow us on uh, Facebook and Twitter. That handle is at Strange, the number four mystery, for all the latest updates. It's been fun to grow this past month and we'd love to continue growing with you all. And uh, make sure you're following us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon. Go over your ears. I think we're almost to 100 at this time right now. 100 followers on Twitter.
0: Um, this morning when I checked, we were at 99. So if one of you, <laughs> one of you go and follow, we can get to 100 Twitterers.
1: Even if you already have Twitter, just make a second one.
0: Yeah, <laughs> just we need one more guys, come on.
1: I'm tempted to make a fourth. Not that I need a fourth Twitter, but I'm tempted. I can't keep up with one. I'm struggling to keep up with three. When I have a public or personal, and then we run the Strange History account together. If you follow it and wanted to know the difference between if Brad is tweeting or if I'm tweeting Brad uses hashtags, I use emojis.
0: I do use a lot
1: of hashtags. I use too many emojis, I think.
0: Sometimes I use GIFs. Just sometimes.
1: I don't have anything else to say. This was a rather short episode.
0: Yeah, it's, we promise it's not gonna always be like this. It's
1: been a whirlwind of a month. It was hell getting to film this, or record this. It was awful.
0: It was. It's been. <laughs> it's been a horrible week.
1: <laughs> but thank you guys for listening anyway. Oh, and uh, of course, always enjoy the strange, weird things that make us us.